Welcome back, everybody, to the Quantum Shit Show. We are your hosts, Jody, Bo, and Danny, and we are hello, excited. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we're super excited. Yeah. Yeah, we're all excited to be back here with you guys for episode 15. Um, it's kind of hard for me to believe that we're already here at episode 15, but we're just going to keep on rocking and rolling. And we've been uh, discussing a bit before this episode as always and sometimes we come a little bit more locked and loaded to deliver something specific um not so much this time <laughs> but we do have some things that were interesting points of conversation that we each have been going through but also witnessing and uh you know just being reminded shortly before this intro of what we started this show to do um, going back to that is almost like there's an, uh, an endless amount of purposes that we can find in pretty much anything <laughs> in the interpretation of whatever this is. But the quantum shit show podcast is a conversation ultimately to bring deeper and greater wholeness to the table, but also to illuminate all kinds of things that are creating chaos. Uh, hence the name, the quantum shit show, because <laughs> we each have lived a life up to this point that was so 3d. But uh, I think for each of us, we knew that it wasn't just 3d. It was just, we were surrounded by things that pointed to everything external and on this journey of healing, everything points inward, except <laughs> for quite a few things that are actually being tossed around in spiritual communities and healing communities that focus solely externally. And um, something that came to the space is the, uh, what's a good word for it? The notorious bandwagon. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Jody, you brought it up in our conversation um, in such a cute Texan way because it came out as the bandwagon. And I don't even think I'm country when I talk, but maybe I am. I don't even think I'm country when I talk. I don't think you're that country when you talk either, but that that time you were. It yeah, was, it was cute. Yeah, it was, it was we are the quantum hillbillies. <laughs> the quantum hillbillies talking all that shit on the shit show. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, it, it's funny because I think that's a good place to start. Um, we talked about a few things, but it's so funny because <laughs> as soon as um, Jody and I, or all three of us, start to have a conversation about something that we feel is new, and that word "new" is in quotations because. Uh, it's in air quotes because I've been saying this a lot recently, um, so we'll probably start seeing a lot of different people saying it. But what I'm saying is... 
We're trendsetters, y'all. Just so you know. What, what I'm saying is, is, you know, the things considered to be it's new funny. are actually like all of the old things that are reawakening, returning, right, right, coming right. back into our awareness. Um, and they feel so very new. And the reason that I made the reference that everyone was going to be saying things like this is specifically to talk about this bandwagon topic. <laughs> and just bandwagoning. Bandwagoning. <laughs> the, you know, take a little hayride. Uh, oh anyone from the South in the United States has probably heard of the the uh, the other notorious <laughs> means of travel, which is by way of a trailer full of hay, oh and it's like God. some sort of festival <laughs> tradition. If you've never heard of it, look up a picture, and it's just festival hilarious. Uh, the, to, the haunted hayride. <laughs> exactly. You can see Danica knows. Come Halloween, you can jump on a trailer stacked full of hay bales. And take a ride around some random setting or environment. There's a also corn be, maze. There's also oh, going to be a corn God. maze and some sort of uh, attraction where they have a donkey that's a walking donkey. walking in a circle and you can put your children on the donkey so they can ride the little donkey. <laughs> you know, but this these- is not the type of bandwagoning that we're talking about right. today. Is, yeah. <laughs> we're talking about a wagon, but not the hay wagon. So. <laughs> As the the Dixie Chicks refer to it, the sin wagon. Oh God! Or basically the wagon where everyone can't really see what's going on, and they're seeing everything in error. You know what happens as we cross? Oh, I'm in, crying. My eyes are watering. As we cross into these new spaces, and we talk about things that feel uh, activating and revolutionary, and like truth. Uh, and we share them, it's almost a guarantee that no matter where it really starts from is not the total beginning of this thing. And if it's a topic, um, we can probably just name a few. Uh, One of them right now that's a major bandwagon topic is the nervous system. (laughs) I'll just throw that one out there. But it's like as soon as someone starts talking about it, you Mm -hmm. see it, especially in social media, popping up everywhere you look and this makes sense because of like data sharing and stuff like if i search for a certain brand on of clothing or whatever on my phone and we're in the same house for more than a day you're going to start getting that same brand or the same style coming to your ads and stuff but this is like uh another level of that where you know looking back on the last 10 years there was a manifestation bandwagon then there was like the paleo bandwagon and then there was the keto bandwagon and then there was the vegan bandwagon mm-hmm. and now, now there's all this now pro-metabol- there's the, an- the anti-vegan bandwagon yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. all like a ton of pro-metabolic bandwagon and um oh my gosh uh, you have like these things that ultimately become trends yeah they become healing trends you know you have the sage bandwagon and there are probably some some real ones out there who are still burning sage and doing the thing. But uh, a lot of people who were burning sage, myself included, like two, three years ago, (laughs) I don't even touch the stuff anymore. And it's just because I was in a trend. Mm -hmm. I was literally in a phase. Well, I have a lot to say about that as an indigenous person, (laughs) (laughs) but we'll save that for another day, perhaps. Well, Um, you've you've written all about this. I, I think I know where you're going with uh, plant kingdom consciousness and mm-hmm. well, and the trendiness, like you said, the commodification of that, and 
that it is sage specifically white sage is an endangered species. So it's like a lot of it is illegally harvested. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, and, and and then there's a, there's a lot of conversation to have around something that is endangered. That is a, a, a plant that belongs to indigenous peoples and their cultures and stuff like that. And then when it becomes commodified and brought into like mainstream spirituality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a lot of destruction of the consciousness of the plant. Mm-hmm. So. And I want to say too, like I want to I want to make a, a differentiation between you know new information coming forward that's helpful to the collective and that people can access and learn from, and the difference between just accessing new information and growing in your own awareness of yourself or whatever, mm-hmm. and taking that and then that becomes the new way I brand everything, the new way that I promote what I promote on social media and everything is tailored to that. It's just, that's the trendiness that we're talking about, like making it a trend as opposed to really using it for the healing purpose that Mm -hmm. it's meant to hold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, (laughs) And the bandwagon thing, I just, I have so many little like uh, flashes going through my mind. Cause I remember when I was seeing, like I saw one person dance in a reel to uh, promote their stuff. And then it was like, everyone was dancing in their reels to promote yeah. their coursework and everything like that. And then mm. it's, it's almost like, um, and then now embodiment's a thing. Everyone's talking about embodiment. Everyone's changing their Instagram headers to include that they're like embodiment something about embodiment or the nervous system or, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I remember it was like back a couple years ago, it was all like QAnon and everyone was talking about QAnon and Q this and Q that, get yeah. red pilled, get woke. And yeah. What <laughs> Trump's this- going to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. Sorry. I it's didn't almost- mean to interrupt your flow. No, you're totally fine. I'm just, there's a lot going on in my head right now in my headspace because I'm thinking about it. It's, it's almost like, and Jody, I think you said this the other day, it's almost like people read a phrase and then they take it and they start to build and manufacture everything about themselves, their identity, their brand, their work, and everything around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everybody starts to do it because that's the trendy thing. That's what's going to funnel people in to get the sales. That's what's going to sell their coursework and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, there's no consistency. And when there's no consistency, there's no trust to be built. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's just like, for me, witnessing some of, here's the thing. I, I'm not here to dog on people for trying to be trendy. I mean, Jesus, I've done it so many times in my life. You know, I'm not here to be like, well, this is silly. I've done it. And I had to come to a place in my life where it was like, I really want to talk about the things that matter to me. I want to share from a place. I may not have any kind of significant flow. If you looked at my Instagram page, it probably looks like a -a whack-a-mole. You know, it's like here, there and everywhere (laughs) because I'm just sharing from what's going on in my own personal experience right now. And my own personal experience does not look like it's perfectly tailored and properly edited at every turn. It's like, this is what I'm looking at today or this week or right now. And, um, I, yeah, I don't, I do go against the grain so much of what, you know, they say you should do if you're going to promote anything on social media. But it's like, I don't care anymore. I'm just like, 
this is where I'm at, you know, and this is what matters to me. I'll try to craft it in as nice a way as possible, but this is what's going on for me. And watching the bandwagoning of healing work. And it's like, you know, it's quantum healing sessions. And then it was, you know, um, alien beings. And then it was channeling. Yeah. Channelings Mm -hmm. and, you know, and all of these things. And it's like, moving on to the next hot topic and Mm -hmm. everything becomes a hot topic. And then, and I mean, of course, here we are sitting here having a conversation around things that we consider hot topics. I'm not (laughs) here to destroy that either. It's just, (laughs) there is a lack of efficacy in what is being shared because it's being watered down through the need to be trendy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it doesn't help anybody. Well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the need to be enough. Yeah. Well, before we move into that conversation, the only thing that I'm going to say is that some of some of these things like embodiment and the nervous system and stuff like that, it's like out of all the things people could be bandwagoning on, I do like get behind that because those things need to be talked about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it is like oh, I, yeah. can, I yes. can see that these things are like, like you said, Jody, hot topics. And I can definitely see the bandwagoning and the, and the, the, the trendiness of it. And I do think that sometimes may, maybe even perhaps some people are even just talking about it because it is a hot topic and not, not because, um, you know, they're dive, diving into that kind of work or something like that. But um, regardless, <laughs> the nervous system and embodiment are two very important aspects of healing and the foundational aspects of it in my Uh, opinion. And I think if anyone's going to bandwagon on anything, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it is foundational to the healing process. And I think it's a, it's a massive missing link to what's been going on in spiritual communities for so long where healing has been attempted. And I am saying attempted because so many people have gotten blown out in healing spaces because there is such ignorance around what it requires to heal. And people think they're the healer whenever it's actually the person seeking the healing that is the healer. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of misunderstanding about healing itself. And so it leads us to a path of wanting to know more, wanting to get closer into what's true, hopefully. And I think for me, you know, it's like if, if uh, you do want to start speaking on the nervous system or you do want to start speaking on whatever you think the latest topic is, I would hope that people would actually do some due diligence and that they would go through the process of experiencing that for themselves and not showing up in a space to see if they could create a reel around it or talk about it you know, from this place of this is a cool thing and I kind of get this in some, you know, little way out here in a concept bubble in my mind, even Mm -hmm. though I've never done the work exactly. But, and so that's the thing is like, I personally am so much more comfortable sharing things about, let's say nervous system work or, you know, trauma stuff from people that I trust because that's what they do. You know, thank the good Lord that the lady that I'm taking um, a course from right now around nervous system work doesn't change her freaking bio every time something new comes along. Thank the good Lord, because Mm -hmm. that would freak me out so bad. Mm -hmm. She's been doing this work for 
a long, long time. She hasn't changed her mind about what she's here Mm -hmm. to do. I appreciate Mm -hmm. the stability and the consistency of people in healing spaces. Not to say that you can't bring in new information when you learn more. Obviously, please do that. But if Mm -hmm. you're constantly jumping and changing horses in the middle of a stream, then that does not promote... (laughs) a safe environment for people to come and heal in. It right. really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's- we, we keep saying yeah at the same time and well at the same time. So yeah. And well is like the indicator to everyone else that like we're trying to talk. Yeah. But we keep saying it at the same time. You go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead. Oh my okay. gosh. You- um, <laughs> No, you go. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I have been thinking about a few things, and during these conversations, sometimes things come up, and I'm like, God, I need to try to remember that so I can share whenever everything's done. But um, <laughs> it never, I can never hold on to it because I'm, I'm like still listening. And uh, yeah, I think you guys pretty much said it, what I was feeling around. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. It's Danny's turn. Well, (laughs) so what I'm trying to say is I am very appreciative of new information that comes along that is very helpful, like you said, babe, to an individual or a collective of people Mm -hmm. and I love to see real healing happening. Mm-hmm. I know how pivotal that can be for somebody's outlook and for the people around them that they're connected to and how that impacts relationships and family dynamics. So it's really amazing to see whenever people are doing something real. And I think a lot of the healing that I witness. Um, that's not actual healing is people thinking that they're healing and thinking that they're feeling their way through things. And this is kind of what results in my eyes, from my perspective in this bandwagoning sort of thing okay. where people are, you know, jumping onto it as it passes by. And they're, they're not really looking at like, what are the wheels made of? What is this thing? Right. You know, what is it actually trying to say here? And from my experience, whenever the bandwagon comes along and I see it, a lot of times it's so shiny and beautiful that I want to ride on that float. Mm -hmm. It's like, let me be a part of this parade as it passes by. (laughs) But the times that I've actually stood and just witnessed it and like watched it and actually stayed where I was in like my anchor point, instead of totally picking up my anchor point and putting it in this other thing that I don't really know that much about. It's anytime I just watch it happen, it becomes so much more integrated and embodied what I actually learn from whatever it is that's going through. So if it is uh, essential oils or plant medicine or uh, <laughs> yoga practice or an embodiment practice or inner child work or, you know, earth medicine and all, you know, all these different things that have become trends, Mm -hmm. uh, quantum healing, Mm -hmm. you know, being a child of God. That's something that (laughs) last year at 2020 and 2021, 
at least so many people that Jody and I were connected to, it was like, we saw it move through, which, and it's beautiful to see it. And a, a lot of times it was people taking that and developing a teaching around it that, you know, it was, there's some times when you can tell that somebody's doing something and they obviously haven't walked through that thing because the way that they're sharing it is not the way that it would be shared if someone was holding true reverence mm-hmm. for their own process or true reverence mm-hmm. for the medicine that they're actually sharing with people or trying to share. You can totally yeah. tell when, when somebody is sharing something from a disembodied place. Yeah. You can totally, totally tell. Or when they're trying to take information uh, and, and position themselves as if they were an authority on the, on the information. I mean, I, I see that often and it's like, you know, no judgment or anything. It's just that you can tell when someone, like you said, Bo has walked through it and is sharing from a place of embodied wisdom Mm -hmm. that they, uh, are capable of actually guiding someone through it because they've already been through it themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. You, yeah, you have to be able to have taken yourself through it so that you can effectively take someone else through the same concept, right? So mm-hmm. um and yeah, just, I'm just agreeing with what you said, both I, of you. I learn way more from the student who claims that they're a student and they know their place in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Than the teacher who's not really the teacher and they're still the student because mm-hmm. those roles shift back and forth. I mean, we're all the teacher and the student mm-hmm. at different times, but mm-hmm. I learned so much more from the one who comes raw as the student than the teacher that thinks they're prepared to deliver. And you can feel that there's no true soul in there. There's no mm-hmm. spirit. There's no life in it. Yeah. I think that there's also, I think it's also a beautiful thing sometimes to witness too, whenever someone is afraid to step out of the student role and then they step into maybe the teacher role before they think that they're ready, but they're so ready, you know, Mm -hmm. but they don't think that they are. (laughs) And then they're like, they just like blossom into it. I think that that's so beautiful too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think that people who, practice being the student are the best teachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what we say is true leaders know how to be led. Yeah. yeah. They're, and they're always learning too. They're mm-hmm. always learning. They're always, like you said, being led. I really liked what you said, Bo, about um, the band, the, the analogy or the metaphor of the bandwagon mm-hmm. um, and how you were talking about how you were watching it pass by and of course, I had this vision in my mind that was like, if you don't pick up and put on and and put yourself on the bandwagon, then you might see that it's led by jackasses. <laughs> but I liked, but that was what that was just the picture that was playing in my head. But I liked what you said about not picking up your anchor point and putting it in the bandwagon, but yeah. keeping mm-hmm. your anchor point anchored in what your anchor point is, right? And your tr- yeah. in the truth, in God, and then watching the bandwagon pass by. And, mm-hmm. and maybe these little nuggets fall out of the bandwagon, you know, yeah. for, for mm-hmm. you to kind of sit and examine, but you're not like you said, picking up your anchor point and putting it in the bandwagon to be mm-hmm. carried yeah, off into the sunset. <laughs> exactly. And this is not the same as like gathering new information and going, mm-hmm. oh, this is better than what I knew before. Let me bring this into what I do, who I am, how I show up. Let me integrate this new 
um, and improved information. It's not the same. It's not what we're talking about. We're, I, I recently, um, I follow an account on uh, Instagram that I happened upon the account because of other accounts that I follow that are connected in like the nutritional space. <clears throat> and this person is not a nutritionist. That's not what they do. They actually have built their brand and their business on helping other people brand themselves. That's their entire MO on Instagram. However, they were looking to heal themselves, took advantage of some information in the nutrition space. And now I recently saw this person has changed their entire presence on Instagram that they're now they're now going to start offering a program to help people nourish themselves because they did it. And now they want to show everybody how to do it. And so I'm like, okay. And why is it not just a good idea to let people know that this is what you've done after you've built a massive following teaching people how to brand themselves? Mm Mm-hmm. And point them in the direction of the ones who helped you. And this is something that I see happen a lot in these spaces where people get a taste of something that is beneficial Mm. to them and it helps their life. And now they (sighs) want to be the new leader of the thing instead of lifting up the people who guided them in their own process and staying in their lane. Now, I'm not saying you can't adopt new things and I'm not saying that only certain people have the corner on the information. There's just some nuance here and going, okay, but why why is it that every time we experience a shift in us or something that helps us and moves us forward in our life, do we jump off the horse we were on and now we want to ride this one because this one made us feel better. And not only do we want to ride it, we want to tell everybody how we're the new leader of the riders of this horse. Right. <laughs> and that's the part that I'm like, this is massive, yeah, massive, collective, spiritual, emotional, mental immaturity. I, mm-hmm. I love where you keep taking this back to, um, because whenever you're talking, I'm hearing the word honor, mm. like over and over and over, like honor, and you said something too that um, has been a, a hot topic of its own in our conversation. And you said the word consistency. And we're seeing more and more how that actually helps to create trust. And not always that trust means that something is safe, but for something that is safe, it's trustworthy because it's consistent. And mm-hmm. you said that earlier about um, people who kind of stick to their guns and they have a space that they're creating and cultivating and they're not going all over the place following trends or jumping on to different bandwagons. You know, they you may see some new information in their material or in their teaching style, but it will always be coming from that authentic essence that you you know them to be. And there's something to be said about uh not only people who do that, but what it creates for people who are seeking refuge, but they're seeking something that they can rely on. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a lot of what happens whenever people are leaning on this bandwagon thing or they're following trends is they see something that's working. 
They see something that for other people looks like it's enough. Right. And, you know, I said I love where you keep taking this because you keep taking it deeper in the sense that, you know, people, you know, we all do this. We follow trends or we buy into them. This is a, a good analogy. It's like we literally pay for them. We buy them and sell them, these trends so that we can adorn ourselves and our image with them mm-hmm. or the value more specifically that we see in them or even the value that other people see in them. It's like the secondary or third party value that we're actually seeing in something. Like until you actually do the work for yourself and go through the experiential journey to embody wisdom you're having a secondary opinion of the value of something mm-hmm. <laughs> or even way more indirect than just third party or secondary. It can be person to person to person. And all None of these people actually went through that thing right. and they just read something online about it and didn't actually apply it. And now they're telling you about it and you're like, wow, I'm going to use that. <laughs> you know, it, it's different whenever in Danica, you talk about this a lot is reciprocity. There's a, a depth in here that points to sacred law of exchange where there is a due to pay and it's not a, a debt necessarily, but it's an exchange mm-hmm. to actually <clears throat> present this information in a way that you're guiding others through it or sharing for people. Because we talk about this in one of our classes, um, knowing the potency of what we have. And I won't get too deep into that, but a lot of people aren't paying their dues whenever it comes to holding this medicine. Yes. And they're not actually walking the initiatory path, AKA they're not making the changes. They're making the changes out here in the image. Mm-hmm. They're making the changes in what they're writing, even what they're saying, but to change at a core foundational level because you're being rocked by the information in the medicine. Your identity is shifting. This this is how you can tell. And Danica said, you can always tell. You can always tell because people change. Who they are in their essence actually shifts whenever they've walked a, a path of embodiment. Well, and this is this it. is the culture of the meme. Yeah. It's yeah. the culture, it's the culture of the meme. And for those of you who don't know, uh, and and Bo brought this forward in our uh, webinar from the Winter Solstice, which I think is still available if you want to watch the replay. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but um, the, a meme, those little cute little graphics that we see passed around that are so funny all the time, usually pretty humorous, is actually from, I think it's, Bo, correct me if I'm wrong, the Greek word memima, which means to imitate. Um, on the pattern of a gene. And so a meme is an element of a culture or a a behavior that is uh, passed on as if it were genetic, but it's not. It's usually um, by imitation Mm -hmm. is what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's just like uh, something that's like copied, basically. It makes an imprint. Right. And so what you're talking about, Bo, about how the essence, you can tell whenever people are just changing something on the outside, but not really changing, you know, what's happening on the inside, the essence on the inside hasn't really shifted. And that's how you can tell when someone's being disingenuous, right? Is because it's like a meme. 
It's a meme. It's a non-genetic imitation. But when someone's really changing, shifting their essence on that cellular level, that spiritual level, it's actually like the cosmic genetic code is shifting. Right. Yes. Right. This is – I love this meme conversation because it (laughs) it continues to unfold and amaze me um, (laughs) because it's actually so simple. And one of the simplest ways to describe how this happens other than showing a meme, there's something that's always targeted whenever it comes to memes and it's a reaction. So our response is what's being monitored by this whole agenda and this whole use of memes, the whole narrative. And it seems to be in all these different forums or social groups that these memes can become all kinds of different things. Anything can become a meme. But what it's actually doing is informing the part of us that is using logic and reasoning Mm -hmm. or a better way to say it, that is bypassing logic and reasoning. And it's meant to be properly developed so that we do think on our own. Uh, But what it's doing is it's training us to react to certain things in certain ways. So for example, if anyone knows about the video game Mario, uh, there's a branch of that game called Mario Kart. Um, If you haven't ever played it, it's really fun. But there's this thing in there. It's called a banana. Okay. Ah, All right. So what has been described uh, as one of the most slippery substances on the planet because of games like this has indeed created a meme around bananas. And the meme is the reaction that happens whenever a banana is present. And the reaction is that this thing is literally slick enough to turn a car upside down or make it spin out so you wreck your car. A banana peel? A banana peel. Mm -hmm. The peel of the banana. And this is the the simple difference between having an embodied experience and taking someone else's trend. Anyone who's ever stood on a banana peel or even been walking and test this for yourself. Get a banana peel, put it on the ground, take a few steps and make sure you step on it and then keep walking Make sure that you have someone around to spot you because because the theory says that this is the most slippery thing that you will ever step on. Slippery enough to wreck a car. And you'll most likely find what I found, which was that it's not very slick at all. (laughs) So this general worldwide, a globally accepted view of something as simple as a banana peel is not even accurate. It's not accurate yet. It ain't even accurate. So this is what meme culture does, and this is what happens with the bandwagoning. Mm-hmm. It's you follow a trend, you're you're being influenced by a meme, you're reacting a certain way to something. You know that whole idea of the meme of my face when dot dot dot. You have a picture, uh, and it shows the face, so you know what what their face is whenever something happens. You know, fill in the blank, something happens. Uh, usually with politics or an election or my, whenever my mom says dot, 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 or whenever my dad says dot, dot, dot. And it's a programmed response that people see this and they laugh and it's like, oh, I've done that. It's so true. And it becomes the group think. That's, that was the – this is kind of the surface level of the conversation that we had in the mm-hmm. webinar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about group think, but, you know, can't not sit – well, that's what it is. That's thing. what that's you what the mean? trendy bandwagon is. <laughs> You're talking about exactly, the bandwagon, y'all. Exactly, man. 
Well, and if we want to take this further into the conversation around the nervous system, this is this is how we begin to uh, Jody. I think I think that you shared this today uh, in your story. We begin to somatically bypass our oh, biology. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever we are being reprogrammed by these trends and memes and you know all of these things that that reprogram what our natural reactions are our natural instincts would would be mm-hmm. yeah we are yeah. so programmed by social media and this is all intentional of course we we're aware of this and this is the thing this isn't to be like we're all so programmed we need to get deprogrammed you guys i mean that's the goal ultimately, but that's not what we're talking. That's not why we're saying this. We're saying this so we can bring awareness to it and put it out here in the open and go, this is a reality that we live right. in. Um, Under- and so we need to, we need to know that, you know, and it's right. like our, our social media is, you know, hitting us left, right and center. Our TVs are doing it. Even if we don't have cable and we're just streaming, like it doesn't matter. We're, we're getting hit. <laughs> all the time in every single way possible. And so to think that what we are bringing forward at any given moment is 100% an original thought is laughable. Right. It is laughable. And and it, so I don't want to harp on people and be like, you're being a bandwagoner. And also <laughs> let's bring some conscious awareness to the fact that we are easily influenced. Right. And yeah. that we want to speak from an embodied space. Mm-hmm. If you want to sit here and that's the thing is like we traded commercials for memes and the memes are 10 times as effective as the commercials ever were. And, you know, look at the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. And mm-hmm. it's like TV was the platform for programming. It literally shows were called programs and they still are uh, your regularly scheduled program. We now return to your regularly scheduled programming and they don't even have to do that for us anymore. I mean, right. we want that. Like, like I said, these things, we happily pay the cost for them. And I'm not talking about paying the cost like walking the initiation to hold <laughs> sacred medicine. I'm talking about we happily pay for the programming. <laughs> we happily buy and sell the shit that they're feeding us. And we create it for them because everyone wants at one point wanted to be a, a meme creator. And I'm, totally throwing, making that a blank blanket statement because I wanted to do that. But, um, you know, this whole idea, I remember even having friends that were like, we should make a quantum meme page. And at the time it's like, that would be fucking hilarious. Pardon my F bomb, but that would be hilarious. And then learning all that we learned about meme that came up in one quantum session and shout out, you know who you are. Uh, but in one quantum session, it was so confusing because it was like, whoa, there's all this flood of information about memes and the agenda around memes. And I literally sat there with a question mark and I was like, what does this even meme? meme? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is this supposed to mean? Like, how do we, what do we do with this? And then it, w- it was within uh, one day, you know, we looked up the definition of a meme and everyone go do it for yourself. Go look up, um, you know, go play Mario Kart. And uh, (laughs) go look up the definition of meme and you'll see the digitized version of what a bandwagon actually is. Yeah. (laughs) Jody, you said something and I did the thing that Bo was talking about where I felt like I was holding it in my mind. I I put a pin in it 
and then I couldn't hold it. The pin fell out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dang it. You realize it. For me, it happens whenever I realize that I'm not actually listening to what the person is saying. And then I start listening and I totally forget. Mm. <laughs> well, what's been kind of going on over here for me is just realizing that, you know, it's not wrong to grow or shift your perspective or change what you believe. Obviously, please do that as you yeah. learn more, you know, shed what doesn't serve you and, and you know, adopt what is taking you into bigger, broader spaces. Do that. And the trendiness around things that people are really looking for to heal um, doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't mm-hmm. serve anyone for those things to be pulled into trendy spaces and to be taken over, hijacked by people who really aren't serious about it and are ready to jump off that horse the next time a bigger one comes by, you know? And so it's like, Mm. it's making me think, you know, honestly, what makes us do that? And I, the only thing I can come to is like, well, at the, at the bottom of it that I can get to and in the moment is like, what do I value? You know, um, if I value, uh, being the one who knows, then I'm going to want to cling to the thing that I think everybody cares to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think part of it is I think it's that I think that it is um, what Bo was talking about in our pre-discussion. I think it comes to worth, mm-hmm. feeling right. worthy, and um, wow. There was something else and the pin fell out again. But I do remember what I was going to say earlier uh, in the first pin that fell out. Um, you were talking about – you were talking about uh, – God, what were you talking about? <laughs> I remember part of the thought. Um, oh, you were talking about pro- – like. Uh, that we're being programmed. And then you were like, you know, and I'm not saying that we have to go out there and like deprogram ourselves. Right. Because I I feel like that's important to talk about because when we're bringing this stuff forward, there's always going to be the pendulum swing because we're trying to, we're trying to recalibrate and sometimes we overcorrect. It's just a natural thing that we do. We do it when we're driving, we overcorrect. When we realize we're going off the road, sometimes we overcorrect and we go into the other lane. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So but I think it's important to talk about because <laughs> there's always going to be the people that are going to take this and be like, I mean, we saw it. We saw it. that's that's what QAnon was, right? That's what the whole QAnon psyop was. Mm-hmm. It was it was the every everyone was trying to get away from the false dichotomy of politics, right? And they wanted some sort of like out, so they swung that pendulum into the QAnon thing, and they were like, oh my god, get woke, get red pilled. Uh, down the or, rabbit hole. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. And and what you were saying, Jody, reminded me of that because you were like, you know, we're talking about how we're being programmed and there's going to be people who walk away from this podcast episode and they're going to be like, we've got to deprogram ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but I think that that's a whole conversation right there because we ha- we've got to be careful with that pendulum swing because yeah. I think I think and I think sometimes it's enough just to be conscious in those moments where we were not conscious before, right? Mm-hmm. Where we weren't, where we weren't conscious in our uh, choice points, we weren't aware of our choice choice points. And when we do bring consciousness into it, I think that that is that's enough. That's right. enough mm-hmm. of a recalibration sometimes, right? And and sometimes a pendulum swing is warranted. Sometimes we overcorrect and we're like. 
fuck this, slam the door, yeah. going going the opposite direction, you know? So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. The the wholeness and the balance, exactly what you're saying is is uh about the programming is so powerful too, because just like any software, software is a good reference point because it's something that at this point most most people uh, the only people who really wouldn't be um, in a great understanding of software would be like much older people who are still holding on <laughs> to the times before, because even like the kids now, they're all, ha- they all have very deep awareness about software. Okay. And I say very deep, you know, they understand it. They see it. They understand it. It's like our sticks and rocks theirs is the Apple iPad. So just like any of those things, they have a specific way that they're meant to operate smoothly. And we have that. Mm -hmm. We have programming. And I love what you're saying, Danica, because it's not that we like, we can't villainize the programming itself. Uh, It's in swinging the pendulum. That's kind of a natural thing whenever like we've had trauma because that's that's part of the response and learning to understand that but we have a program that we operate by like even sacred law it's a formula right you know exactly. it's, it's it's a structure it's a, a form and a lot of this comes from us not knowing where we belong babe like you said value and danica you said the same thing in worth i think those two things are so synonymous and that comes from god Like that comes from our parents knowing our worth and our value and being informed of what that is at an accurate, organic level. Mm -hmm. But this world misinforms us so detrimentally that it's so abusive the way that we're informed about ourselves by the world. And the programming that we receive is very false programming and it's very limiting programming and the machine that we have the vessel that we have and all of the anatomy uh we don't even know about it you know we're like the the software and the vessel you know we're the data storage system that doesn't even realize what it's capable of holding well we're the original quantum computer yeah yeah that, exactly. that everything exactly. else is modeled after. And I've had this conversation before. I think this is such a good conversation to have around programming because we have to understand that all of these synthetic things like com- computers, mm-hmm. all right. these software programs, they're modeled after organic consciousness or mm-hmm. human consciousness. The ability of the large neocortex to, ha- to have complex and abstract thought and um, to compute data. And, uh, and, and compute just means to reckon and we are right. Reckoners. Right. So (laughs) that's what we do. We compute information. Yep. And our Uh, bodies are storing it there. They've been doing it since we were in utero. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been being programmed since before we took our first breath. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, but it's like, we can't, Here's another word. We're going to have another conversation about all these words, but <laughs> you, we can't demonize programming. Um, we can just <laughs> look at it for what it is and recognize that's not the way I choose mm-hmm. to be programmed. I'm right. going to reprogram myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Because even if we're going to do it from a place of wholeness or we're going to do it from a place of you know, healing ourselves, it is going to re 
inform, reprogram mm-hmm. our system. Yeah. And that's the thing is like even these blueprints that we talk about sometimes, these organic blueprints, yeah. um, those are formula. They right. are software, essentially software programs. And that's the thing is like God is math. The universe is math. All of this stuff is math. Uh, and <laughs> it works accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think this is like one of those things that's such a powerful conversation because it really does help bridge the gap mm-hmm. between two things that seem to diametrically oppose one another and things that I feel like each person will walk through and we're walking through. I, I went through so many pendulum swings and up until the last year, really, because even into co- coming into quantum information and quantum understanding about some of the things that I was go- like having going on, that was even another pendulum swing because Danica, like you brought up the QAnon age in like 2020, 2021, it was like the truther movement. And I never subscribed to QAnon stuff. I would get some info, but it was like, I was, I went from a course in miracles and believing that everything is an illusion except for love. And completely denying part of my anatomy and part of my reality to literally only talking about things that were harmful and evil and dark and satanic. (laughs) And, you know, this is like where my conversation went. And I was in rejection of the things that spoke of light. And I didn't go to the dark side because I thought that I was in a balance even then. And now I've totally from what I can say uh, two years later, like chilled out even more and I'm still finding balance. And a lot of the balance that I'm finding is in some of the things right here, right now, what's going on, things that we talk about in the show, because a year ago I was like all quantum and it wasn't just all about like recognizing evil and understanding duality and like learning how to work in these things. But then it was like the quantum field. And all of these things that we've talked about, the fantasy stuff, the artificial timelines, artificial realities, and and trauma responses that lead to that, not having an anchor point. And I really did have an anchor point, um, but there were even times that I, I still, parts of me were like getting pulled and used in those situations. And so the whole point of this is to come back to, and someone said it today, neutrality. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we talk about neutrality, not as in passivity, Uh But as in true neutrality, where you are fully aware and fully able to acknowledge and you're not in denial, it's not neutrality like denial Uh or you're totally passive to harm being done. It's not apathy. Right. Yeah, that's a a good word for it. But coming back into balance in that space of wholeness, another word for it is balance. Uh You know, and something that we keep talking about, uh, well, it keeps ringing up for me is masculine energy. And not on its own, but understanding our own wounding whenever it comes to where we belong and our place and our value and what actually informs that. And a lot of it has to do with the father and the bond that's made between uh, children and their parents. But the role that the father plays is so much of how our identity is developed around where we belong. And this bandwagon or trend following is just a byproduct of somebody not not having an anger but going even deeper is like not seeing their worth like you said babe and then even deeper is like an identity crisis yeah 
and identity misinformation. Yeah, exactly. I've said this to Danica before. I'm like, you know, they say imitation is the highest form of flattery, (laughs) but it's imitation. (laughs) It's a meme. (laughs) Flattery falls flat. Well, I think part of it too, I think it's what you said, Jody. I think it is, um, the, uh, like valuing being the knower, like the sage or the person that people come to, to know the things. I think it's what you said, Bo. I think it's worthiness trying to find value in the trendy thing because that's where the implied worth is, right? Or worth is seemingly there. And I think that it is a, uh, I think it's a conversation around provision too, because the trendiness is where people are putting their attention, which also means that that's that's where they're putting their money too. So their value is around money, you know? Right. I think, I think that it's, I think it's provision. Um, I think it's attention and worth. And I think well, it is here's the thing. being the, the, only thing about, thing. the only thing about using the word provision is tricky for me because when I start thinking about the word provision, I get what you're saying, Danica. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's tricky for me because when I'm looking at that word or I'm considering that word, I'm thinking of it from a completely different place, you know, mm-hmm. because I get what you're saying. I, well, I, I'm not discounting what you're saying at all. Well, it's, it's I'll, just- well I'll, I'll clarify. I'll expand on it because what I'm seeing is like people hopping on the bandwagon of the trends mm-hmm. because that's where everyone's putting their attention and their money. Yeah. And when people uh, are not having their needs met, they're going to go to those places where people are flocking with their attention and with their money and they're going to try to conform to that space to try to get their needs met. Whether, whether it's monetary or around worthiness and value and stuff like that too. But that's what, that's what I was meaning around like provision is just like having needs met and, and money, you know? Well, yeah, no, I mean, that's why people would want money is so that they could have their needs met or their desires fulfilled. Because money equals power and worth equals power. Yeah. All of these, this reminds me of that, that age old idea that all of this parasitic consciousness really stemmed from the child of God that wanted God's power, but didn't want to live under sacred law. (laughs) And so- we were just talking about this. <laughs> so like ultimately rejected Old God's law. Old Slewfoot. Yeah, this is the, the story of, of Lucifer pretty much. But it's like this search for power and they say um, money is the root of all evil. But it's like money represents power. Worth in some cases represents power. Uh, but it's only if we've been disconnected from our true worth because other than otherwise we're not seeking that. Mm-hmm. Well, money also is a stand-in for uh, the energetic cha- exchange of the law of reciprocity, too. Right. It kind of it kind of creates like a bypass mechanism. Hell, money's a stand-in for God. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I will. I mean, I'm just looking at yeah. like the, yeah. the law of reciprocity and and exchange and how we use money to imitate reciprocity right. and things, and that's what takes us out of sacred law and puts us into consumptive behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause if you have yeah. enough money, you can just throw it at your problems and almost not even look at them or deal with them. Well, and I'm just thinking about like, uh, like food and buying food too. You know what I mean? Takes you out of, it, it puts you in a consumptive place and takes you out of the reverence of the life of the animal that you're eating or the versus, plant that you're like eating. Buying it versus growing it. 
Right. Yeah. It's like rather than like organically harvesting or cultivating your meat or your produce, then just going and it's out of sight, out of mind. You don't know what you're purchasing. You don't know mm-hmm. how that animal lived and you're just consuming it. There's no reverence for the life of it. Mm-hmm. There's no cultivation of the life of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So money is a stand-in for that. And then something else that you were talking about, Bo, that I wanted to say it before I forget, you were talking about neutrality. And I think what really changed my perspective on neutrality is when I recognized that neutrality, there's there's like an inversion of that word. And that inversion, I think, is like what you're talking about, Jody, apathy, or it's it's also fear-based where we don't want to choose a side because we don't want to be wrong or we don't want to be canceled right. or whatever. So there's that there's that fence straddling as well, mm-hmm. uh, being wishy-washy. And so what really changed my perspective on neutrality is when I recognized that coming from a physics standpoint, it's the ability to stand and be uncharged. It's true energetic sovereignty. So it's like my space is neutral and yet I am sovereign. I am aware of what's going on and I can stand in my stance and not be swayed by anything that's trying to charge my space. You, yes, you said something today in a session we were doing and you were talking about you were talking about something from a physics perspective and you were talking about um, the interacting of wave interference, wave interference, where it, it, it reminds me of this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you would liken it to neutrality at at a level, but it was like, you were talking about a principle. That was harmony. Yeah. Okay. Talking about um, sacred law as the masculine principle that governs harmony between everything that's created. And so the difference between non-destructive or destructive wave interference, you know, it's not interference or necessarily that things are are touching or interfering with one another. It's that there are certain forms like wave forms that <laughs> cancel one another out or amplify mm-hmm. or just like there's neutrality there. Mm-hmm. Or so, even entrain one another. Mm-hmm. What is that? Entrainment? What is, yeah, what is that? Well, you finish what you're saying and I'll talk about entrainment. Yeah, it it's uh, you know, you can have two waves that are of almost like equal proportion or likeness and they can cancel each other out. But this is specifically regarding I think the golden mean ratio because whenever you have all different kinds of waveforms, wavelengths <laughs> doesn't matter where they cross, where they intersect, how you form them together, they're going to coexist non-destructively. So that is non-destructive wave interference. And that comes from true masculine form, true sacred law. Mm. And I think in the conversation of neutrality and Danica, what you were saying is like not having a charge necessarily one way or another, or being able to stand in a space regardless. Uh, it's actually really hard to do <laughs> because we're in human bodies and the d- the data that we're holding is <laughs> kind of shot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I don't mean to trigger anyone who's ever actually been shot, but you know, it's, it's not working properly is a better way to say it. <sighs> and not even, uh, oh man, this could go really fucked up, but <laughs> I'm not even going to say what I just thought. Uh, but Uh, Yeah. So as far as like neutrality, this is like talking about harmonics, like that govern coexistence, because you can have multiple things 
um, that look different, but there's non-destructive wave interference that's active there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of was Danica was sharing what she was sharing. And I was like, oh, the power of allowing there, there is an allowance in the space. And yet that power that's, that's there, um, literally creates a non-destructive field basically. And that's what I think of when I'm listening to you talk about neutrality, the ability to bring, um, a non-destructive presence to something where otherwise it's like chaos ensues. Mm-hmm. You know? it, it's non-destructive and it comes to correct everything. So that's how you see true sacred law in play or what truth actually does is no matter, it finds the balance between all things. It, mm-hmm. It's the thin line that we talk about, the thin line of truth that's in all things. And it comes and you can always tell if there's an argument between two people, it's not necessarily that there's a compromise. It's not always the same thing to where both people are in sacrifice of themselves. It's recognition of what is true within both parties or whatever both people have to say or both opinions, both perspectives, and then both people aligning to that. So it's not even a sacrifice because you're not sacrificing yourself Mm-hmm. you're aligning to what is true and dissolving all that isn't. And and truth comes into a conversation and can really be miraculous in solving problems and governing harmonics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, harmony, um, I'm just thinking about this, uh, I think I saw this. I can't remember who said it, but I was seeing something that was like harmony is wait a second. I don't, I don't want to misquote it. Keep talking. I'm going to see if I can find it. (laughs) (laughs) It it was, it was really cool. I'm trying, I think, I think I know who said it, but I wanted to, I want to be sure that I'm saying it right. Well, just back on the topic that we started out on, you know, um, with regard to healing and trends and stuff. I have been in spaces with people where, you know, they're, they're looking for education on quantum healing or, you know, seeking coursework around stuff like that and um, wanting to learn how to do these things. And many, many times they are doing it because they're looking for, a stream of income Mm. and they feel like this is the most noble way to do it, you know? And so I'm not here to, you know, crap on anybody's desire to um, make money, you know, for what they bring forward. That's not the point. It's just, we have to start really examining our motives for why we do what we do or why we choose what we choose And, you know, if money is the motivator, we need to get honest with ourselves about that because when it is, it's going to force us into the places where we're looking for our worth, where we're looking Mm -hmm. to be trendy, where we're looking for all that stuff. And it's never going to satisfy us. It's never going to. Right. It's always going to require more than it gives. Yeah. And it, it leaves people in the crosshairs of whatever fallout there is from not knowing yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And truly, you know, if, if money is the motivator, it doesn't make you an evil person. It doesn't make you wrong or bad. It can create, um, imbalance. It can create, uh, susceptibility, manipulation and all kinds of other tactics that don't serve people in spaces like healing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, healing work is not trendy. That's not what it's here right. for. I found what I was looking for. Would All right. you like to hear it? It's about yes. harmony. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, so that's a, that's a t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> so this guy's name is Adam Grant, and I post his stuff every now and then on Instagram. But uh, what you were talking about, Bo, reminded me of this. The clearest sign of intellectual chemistry isn't agreeing with someone. It's enjoying your disagreements with them. Harmony is the pleasing arrangement of different tones, voices, or instruments, not the combination of identical sounds. Creative tension makes beautiful music. Mm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. And yeah. what you were talking about being non-destructive was um, reminding me of that when you're talking about harmony. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, this is another thing too, because um, – I've taken this concept and and run with it mm -hmm. and <laughs> been in a space where I try to let everybody give input into a space and that doesn't always work either because it's not even always about everybody sharing what they have. There's a time and a place, you know. I know. It's so tricky. There's a time and a place because there are some things that need to be driven a certain way. There are some things that need to be controlled. There are some things that need to be handled uh, in group spaces with coherence with one another. And that non-destructive wave interference basically looks like um, hearing both things, but hearing the truth within them. And Here's the thing is that you can always tell when someone is like good, right? And I always – that's kind of a wound for me is like feeling like I have to be the person that knows, <laughs> which has led me to like be a know-it-all. Um, and I've been checked so many times. And But the thing is is like I see so many times where the actual solution is even beyond what both people are trying to say. You know, it's not even what's coming out of one person's mouth or another. It's there's things that are being said, like we're like we're talking about needs that are not being met or that that are crying out to be met. And the solution comes from those needs being met in a way that all designs itself. You know, no person is the designer of these things, but we're programmed with it. It's there. Mm -hmm. We have access to it. I think what you said, babe, is something that's so powerful is that healing is not a trend. Mm -hmm. And you've said mm -hmm. this before too. And I have said that with a cry in my heart and like tears in my eyes because of seeing how sacred medicine gets desecrated by trends. Mm -hmm. Just like mm -hmm. you talked about the white sage. Palo Santo is mm -hmm. the same way. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know... It helps to be informed. Essential oils is another thing that Danica, I know you've spoken about, but it's like, mm -hmm. that's another thing. That's like, these things are being abused and 
almost like this uh, other kingdom of genocide that's happening and mm-hmm. abuse. Essential, oil, essential oils is a big conversation because it takes so many tons of plant material to create a little tiny five milliliter bottle of essential oil. And it's mm-hmm. so unsustainable. It's so crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people dump that whole fucking thing in their bath and they think that they're healing. <laughs> it's like more toxic. <laughs> it's like more toxic than it yeah. actually is. Helpful. Well, and here's the thing too, is that <laughs> essential oils are the volatile oils, which means that it's the part of the plant that they, that it produces to protect itself from like insects and things so like that. So it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's actually the, the waste products because plants can't poop. Right. So it's like they produce volatile oils and then we're like slathering it on our skin and being like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so healthy. Yeah. Palo Santo is another one too, for anyone that doesn't know uh, this and this is easily um, researched, but you know, that tree takes a long time to mature and the wood that originally gets burned is decades old and they actually don't harvest the wood. Danica, like you said, white sage being harvested like way prematurely and it's actually disrupting the maturity of the plant. Palo Santo is the same way and they have to wait for that tree to die on its own. Right. Without to, cre- to create the sap because the sap is what smells good. Yeah. And it takes like. years after that tree hits the forest floor for that <laughs> for it to mature to the point where the indigenous or Aboriginal cultures would actually use it in their sacred ceremony. But right. But then, have- but when it's commodified, then the indigenous people don't have the opportunity to actually collect and harvest it in the way of their natural, like their their culture. You know. Mm-hmm. So when I used to own a, a botanical shop, I used to buy the Palo Santo sticks that I sold there from um, an ethical and sustainable uh, company who worked with indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and they collected the naturally fallen trees and then planted two or three in its place. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, there are sustainable um, Palo Santo peeps. I don't know mm-hmm. the companies or organizations, but Best that's practice, the thing. though, is just to stop doing that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, do it somewhere where, you know, somebody can actually know what's going on or have mm-hmm. reference for the medicine that it actually is. And if, you know, you're trying to learn, there's people who are willing to talk about it and share, but they'll recognize if you're there to learn or if you're there to profit. Yeah. And so did you want to hear about entrainment? Yeah. So I actually am sitting here thinking about it and I feel like it would go really well with the topic of bandwagoning. We were talking, what was the context? Were we talking about wave interference, the physics? Yeah. So you okay. were, So we were talking about neutrality and then you were talking about um, wave interference, non-destructive wave interference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I mentioned entrainment because what you were talking about reminded me of entrainment. And then you asked me what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so entrainment is sometimes called sympathetic resonance. Oh. And it's a phenomenon that occurs. I've seen it in in two different uh, ex- like experimental settings. And the first one I saw was in a metronome. And so if you take like five or six metronomes and they're sitting on top of um, a like a, a reverberatory substance that vibrates um, and they're all clicking at different times, right? Different mm-hmm. different times. 
over the course of, I don't know, it might take 30 to 45 seconds up to a minute, they will sympathetically begin to entrain to one another until they're all clicking in time and they will stay in time because of the reverberation, the the um, frequencies, the wavelengths yep. will begin to uh, resonate with one another and sync up. And then the other experiment <clears throat> that I saw it happen with was several guitars because um, – Guitars have a hollow body, right? A hollow body guitar. We wouldn't work with an electric guitar, but mm-hmm. guitars have a um, like a resonant body. And if they're leaning up against a wall or something like that, and you pluck the low E on one of these guitars, the other two guitars will also begin to resonate with that same frequency because mm-hmm. they are a resonant body. Mm. And when we look... <laughs> I used to teach this in my yoga classes too. Um, I talked about sympathetic resonance because when we look at the human body, the human body is a resonant body Mm -hmm. and we can sympathetically resonate or entrain ourselves uh, consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously with other things. And this is making me think about the concept of bandwagoning now. Right. Oh yeah. It, this is crazy too because this reminds me of the shaman, the shaman's drum, um, because you know the true shaman understands, and I don't think that they teach this in a, a hundred fifty dollar ten hour shaman certification that you can get online. <laughs> oh my god! But you gotta you, be you gotta be kidding me. Maybe they Are cost more. No. But, uh, oh, no, I thought you I thought you were speaking from experience. I was like, what? No. No, no. Um, I am speaking from experience, but not from that experience. Okay. I got you. I got you. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, the resonance, what? Uh, sympathetic resonance. Sympathetic yeah. resonance. Um, this goes into sympathy and that makes sense. But, you know, the shaman knows, for example, on a vision quest, that drum is a heartbeat. And you see this in indigenous culture, aboriginal culture. That drum is a heartbeat, but it's a guide for the for the journeyman and (laughs) if you drum that drum long enough and sometimes it doesn't take long but the human heart will align to the beat of the drum and so it's up to the shaman to know what rate to drum at and what happens to the body when the heart is beating at that tempo because you know when your heart's beating at 50 beats a minute it's different different hormones and signals are running through your body. Your nervous system is reacting a totally different way than if it's double that, Mm -hmm. you know, hundred beats a minute, 120. And throughout the vision quest or the journey, say it's like six hours or whatever, you know, two hours you drum for a certain amount of time. And then you got like the shaman is such an important role, of course. And it's all for the, the quester or the journeyman or (laughs) however, however you want to say it. But, the shaman's job is to understand all of these things. And that's why we call the, all this new medicine, it's actually old medicine because our intelligence is there. Mm-hmm. Our body knows. Danica, you said it. it's like the, the quantum uh, computer. Mm-hmm. Like we absolutely know. It's just our, our society and our lifestyle has completely misinformed or stripped our identity from us. And so <clears throat> we don't know what our body does at 50 beats a minute. We don't know what our heart's doing. You guys talk about it. The interoception is like we don't know what happens 
we don't even know what we need. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, we don't don't even know who we are. (laughs) It's like this sympathetic resonance topic is is really cool too because with any rhythm, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're tapping your own rhythm for a long enough amount of time, your body will adjust to exactly that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we have to be the original quantum computers in order to hold the ancestral memory and the ancestral wisdom. And that's the thing is like when we're disembodied and we're not in our bodies, not only are we foregoing healing because we cannot heal if we're not in our bodies because our bodies are what connect us here to this living planet where the ancestral memory lives. Mm. Not only can we not heal, we can't access uh, or understand ancestral wisdom, ancestral Mm -hmm. memory. This is also making me think of people uploading their consciousness into like false computers and stuff too. And I'm just like, what? I know. It's insane to think yeah. that people would consider this, but that might be for another, yeah. another conversation. <laughs> I've really liked this conversation. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. And we weren't sure what we were going to talk about. And this ended up being. We're so silly. We, man, we just get in the space, dog. Yeah. I know. I was like, I don't have any talking points. I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm just going to vibe. <laughs> right. And, and yeah, vibe we, totally, we did. We were totally winging it. Hopefully all our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. And hopefully you're vibing there with us as well. Yeah. This is like literally our favorite conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sitting on, on, uh, well, on the couch now, <laughs> um, but like just getting to have this conversation and, you know, I think it's, it's been, uh, gosh, more therapeutic for us than it probably has been for anybody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just really want to say thank you to so many of you who have sent in, you know, your feedback and how this is impacting you or what you're getting out of this conversation. And just thank you for listening, you know? Yes. And if you have any feedback, please send yeah. it to us. Truth Unless it's bad and then we don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. I do want to hear it, actually. <laughs> send it to Danica. Only buy it. <laughs> Only bias feedback for those who like That's the right. This is confirmation bias. <laughs> so only, only if you have something nice to only say. Only if you want yeah. to be sweet, then send it to us. No. Well, don't, send it don't to don't me because I want to hear your honest opinion. I don't want to hear any truth. honesty. I want to hear the truth only. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being argumentative now. I'm just being contrarian. So, So – here we go again. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. And so, so yeah. And if you like what you're, <laughs> if you like what you're hearing <laughs> in the first part, not this part, I just sounded like goofy when I laughed. <laughs> um, make sure that you leave us a, uh, a review on Apple yes, or yes. on Spotify. It really helps uh, boost the algorithm. And, uh, <laughs> It really helps us out. And we love reading them too. I love reading them. I love reading the feedback. I love reading. Uh, I love reading all of it. I love reading. I love learning. I love being a student. Yeah. I love having these conversations with my friends. Yes. And I love that we get to record them and let everybody get to listen. hear this little slice of what we talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it too. Yeah. You guys can always support the show. And, you, you know, just listening is enough support. And I think something that is been going on this whole time is like the message of you are enough you Mm -hmm. are enough and you know to know that we are enough is 
a challenging journey <laughs> sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's really what's underneath all of what we're talking about today. And we go through the struggle. We're humans. We've been misinformed. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us didn't have our daddies. So <laughs> <laughs> we have to learn how to see that we're enough. We have to pray to be able to see how we're enough. We have to rely on people that can support us to not be swept away in the trends or not to think less of ourselves when we see something working for somebody else or we see something that the world is projecting as valuable, mm -hmm. not to see ourselves as less and to know that we are enough and our anchor point is what we're guided to. And that's another byproduct of knowing where we belong is being able to actually bring something that is our unique flow, our unique expression through. And a lot of what's going on is we're trying to do it in a way that has been put out for us to do it. And we lose our spice. You know, we lose our flavor, mm -hmm. we lose our flow and inevitably we lose our soul. So to bring it all back together, you know, we are enough. You listener, <laughs> beloved member of this podcast, you are enough and we cannot stress that enough. It is at the depth of all of the conversation that we have mm -hmm. in our relationships mm -hmm. and here in this space. And even though we uh, tear a lot of things to pieces, <laughs> <laughs> we never want to do it to um, our listeners and their worth mm -hmm. because that's something that we're trying to uh, remind ourselves of and everybody here uh, of our true worth. And it, it won't be found in this world. It will be found in the reflection of another a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And it will be found in quiet spaces and sometimes loud spaces when we're upset or raging or laughing. Um, so that's pretty much it. You guys support the show by listening and like everything Danica said, by commenting or sharing feedback mm -hmm. or, you know, asking questions or throwing out <clears> topics. <throat> that was something that we did that was really yeah. fun. And it was we helpful have a too. Yeah, it was helpful. We have a ton of things planned for this show. Um, and it's not things that we're necessarily sitting like, oh, where could we go with this? Because that happens too. But a lot of things, it's almost like we can feel they're just brewing and we're so excited to start learning more about how to bring them forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're excited to share those things in the near future too. Um, things that we we see this being capable of becoming. Yeah. And uh, all of the support is so felt and loved. And we're grateful that you guys are getting so much out of these episodes. Uh, we love hearing that. And um, you guys can support the show through Spotify, I believe. Yeah. Or, or Anchor. And there's also a link on Apple too. Yeah, there, there are plenty of ways. So um, if you guys are getting a lot out of this, uh, like Danica said, leave a review. That shows some support. Keep listening. Share mm -hmm. with somebody you feel may benefit from it. Uh, <laughs> share it with the stiffest person that you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think too, um, I really love the interaction. I love the interaction from the listeners and mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. If you have any topics or anything that you want us to talk about, you can even send in a voice note through Anchor mm -hmm. and it goes right to our Anchor inbox. We can actually include it in the podcast. Yeah. Don't be shy. Yeah. 
or yeah, or we can leave it out of the podcast, but we can definitely listen to it. Mm-hmm. It might take a little bit of learning, <laughs> a little mm-hmm. bit of learning to try to figure out how to get it into the podcast, but I know it can be done because I read it. <laughs> yes. Yes. That yeah. would be so great. I would love that. So. Yeah. And if you, if you have something uh, that you offer that you feel is aligned to this message or our audience, you know, it's always helpful to support one another. And we've given a shout out on this show before to one of our supporters who had some wonderful products and some wonderful Mm-hmm. things a mission that they're hoping to accomplish and moving towards so we're always open to do things like that too i mean it's just open you know for mm-hmm. to go any kind of direction so that's enough of my little spiel all right with that all right it's a mario Woo-hoo. Yahoo.